Hello and welcome to episode 16 of the Wrong Football Podcast. My name's Dan, I'm here with G, the editor of thewrongfootball.com and we're here to discuss all things American football again this week. Jamie Vardy! <laughs> what a goal, what a goal. Well that is the wrong football, let's uh, let's keep uh, focused on NFL. Um, <laughs> this week is obviously Super Bowl week, it's a huge week in the NFL, it's the, uh, the week we all look forward to, I certainly uh, know we do. Um, so let's uh, start with the uh, with the news. The, the first part is uh, really it's kind of an ongoing bit from what we've been discussing over the last few weeks. The uh, the franchise merry-go-round um, is, is kind of uh, continuing. So the, the location of the Chargers um, has been now revealed. The Chargers uh, are staying in San Diego uh, for at least the next season. Um, they're not moving in with the Rams uh, in LA like we've perhaps expected. Uh, they've committed to working on a long-term solution to, to stay in San Diego as well, which uh, surprised me when I saw this this week. Well, I'm, I, I thought, I was under the impression they're definitely staying next year, but I was under the impression they'd come to an agreement with the Rams, but they were going to make, basically see if they can use that as leverage to say, look, we've got this deal, so we really can go. And they're going to see what they can do in San Diego. And given the um, relations with the fans there, yeah, it could be a really interesting few months and a curious next season. I say, well, I think I I kind of expected the uh, the, the, the charges to to actually go for it. I did think they'd uh, they'd end up in LA. So it was, as I say, I was quite surprised when I did see this come out. But like they've previously said, I think it's something like a third or two thirds or something like that of their season ticket holders are all from LA anyway. So it's, it's Again, another another quite strange one. It is, and I, the thing is, I don't know how solid those numbers are because if you t- talk to people in LA, there are a lot of transports, and mm. certainly they'll go to a team if it's successful. But at least the Rams haven't have a history there, and I, I'm I'm not sure about that number. And let's face it, given the amount of away fans that were in San Diego this year, I'm not sure how many even were making the trip to, for, down from LA. Yeah, not that many by the looks of things. Um, the the other team that, that was involved in all of that was the Raiders. Um, so they're in Oakland at the moment. Uh, again, they were another one that we've said in, in previous podcasts. They obviously went for that relocation to LA. They weren't successful. Uh, they were the, the team that probably came out worst of the uh, of, of the meeting. Um, the owners have visited Las Vegas as a potential relocation site. Um, and the NFL's not kind of ruled out the possibility of having a franchise there. You'd have thought they'd, they'd be all over a team there, wouldn't you? With all that glitz and glamour and that. Yeah, except also they're fairly... This might sound strange because of all the fancy football and daily fancy that's floating around, but there's a big argument going on in the States about whether that counts as gambling or not. But the yeah. NFL in of itself is generally very anti-gambling. And so moving a team to LA is fine, but moving them to Las Vegas poses some political difficulties with that not to mention that you think that if you stick a bunch of very wealthy professional players in that city there's not going to be um incidents during the season dangerous isn't it yeah i I think what as much as anything they're trying to do is that but it feels like for the last 20 years they've been using the threat of moving a team to la to hold a ransom over all the city's heads whenever the new stadium is needed to be built and just thinking maybe as much as anything the NFL through the Raiders is setting up Las Vegas as the next well if you don't build the um, stadium we can always move them here yeah, good point. That's a good point. Well, someone else that that might be moving again this uh, this summer is Chris Ivory. Um, the Jets running back uh, had a really really good season this season. He becomes a free agent in a couple of weeks, and he's reportedly not sure whether he thinks that the Jets will re-sign him or not. He, as I say, had a great season. Um, ended up in the Pro Bowl this weekend. 
this was his first season this season where he, he rushed for over 1,000 yards. Uh, 1,070 he ended up with and, and got 217 receiving yards as well. So a, a, a really good season. But uh, they've got a lot of players that, that kind of need re-signing. They've, given the, the, the cap room that they've got, some players are going to miss out, aren't they? Yeah, and to be honest, uh, running back, if, if we've learned anything over recent years, is that running back is one of those positions where you really need a good running back, but you can find them late in the draft. Yeah. Hell, Thomas Rolls was a was a street free agent. There yeah, are was. if there are a scarcity of quarterbacks capable of playing the league, there seems to be a positive plethora of mm. running backs that can do a job. And so you do wonder that with the other players that they've got to sign, and particularly if you're looking at either doing a big extension for Fitzpatrick or Mohamed Wilkinson, who is a very good player on, in their defence, that that you know they might focus there and say we can get a running back from somewhere else. Mm. Well, if he doesn't end up there, do, anywhere you can think of off the top of your head that you think potentially needs a uh, a decent running back, New England. In all, yeah. I, I, I mean, I, I can't see it happening because they don't generally make those kinds of um, free agent signings, particularly for running backs. I think they very much take the view that they'll find a big back there, and that's it's possibly not the best fit. But certainly, they could do with doing something at running back. Um, the Broncos have been patchy at running back this season. I mean, there are, there are any number of teams that. Um, could do with with a good runner. Um, twenty seven. He's not too old, but as long as the, the contract it doesn't get out of hand. But I believe that we're going to a free agency period where the salary cap's going to have a bit of a bit of a bump, and so there might be some extra money floating around. Well, that's another uh, another team that, that he could potentially end up at. Uh, is the Dolphins? I've heard this week that uh, that because obviously Lamar Miller becomes a free agent this year as well. He's going to start looking around. He had a, he's another one that had a good season. You never know with these players because you can lock them up and maybe get a bit of stability and a contract at ahead of ahead of free agency. You don't tend to see franchise tags on, on running backs. I mean, it's possible no. he could look around, but it, I'd be worried if I was a running back just because it does seem that you can pick one up even late in the season off waiver wires or on a practice some squad somewhere and have a very serviceable player. Yeah, there's not a limit on there's not a uh, limited amount of them like uh, like like you say like there are with quarterbacks. So uh be interesting to see what ends up happening there. Another player that looks like he could be moving on, uh, and this time because of uh, retirement, is Calvin Johnson, Megatron, uh, the Lions wide receiver. Um it's been decided whether or not to call it a day. I know he uh, from What's come out in the news this this last uh, week or so? He met with the Lions management after the 2014 season. Told him he planned to retire after this year. Um, the Lions are still hopeful they'll change his mind. Do you think he'll uh, he'll carry on? It's really hard to tell. This is not the first time that a premium position player at the Detroit Lions maybe he's retired a bit early because his body is battered he's got a long mm. contract and he doesn't see anything turning around I mean Barry Sanders I'm sure had a couple of seasons left in him if he really wanted to and I think if the Lions were closer to maybe doing something serious in the playoffs and competing for Super Bowls he might be more tempted but I could he's made over a hundred million in those those nine years, thanks to you know those huge rookie scale contracts and the escalators yeah. is for where he where he went as overall um, number one draft pick, and it's just is it really worth the money for him if it's hurting that much and it's not that competitive? Mm, that's it. He's I mean, he's like we say he's he's kind of plagued with ankle injuries, um, especially he's, he's generally going to be sore at this this stage of his career. Yeah, he's as good as he is, and as much as he's. Going to be, he would be missed if he did go, because um, obviously he's he's had a, some fantastic career so far. Uh, I could I could absolutely see him going. 
particular is he he's also he's one of those receivers who runs all the routes and so he does go across the middle he does take the big hits and he isn't just doing deep nines and getting behind the defense so uh, he really does get hit and these days given his size and the way the hitting is regulation he's got sore legs and he's going to be hit down there um, as well because that's the only way to bring receivers down these days well, that's it, and it, especially one of uh, of his size as well. You've uh, got to work some to get him down. Yes. <laughs> um, well, we're heading towards the uh, the Super Bowl now, and obviously, as I say, it's the big game this weekend, and with the big game comes big superstitions. Uh, lots of uh, players have obviously all, all got their uh, their own superstitions, their own way of doing things. Broncos uh, have chosen to uh, wear uh, wear white this year. Um, they're zero and four in Super Bowls when they've played in orange, so uh, it kind of makes sense for them to uh, to at least give it a go in white. Um, <laughs> But like I say, I believe this... they're one and two in white as well. Or yeah, I think it's one and two in white and um, one and zero oh in blue. But that's their sort of away strip and their designated home team. Yeah, well, it's better than the zero no and four, isn't it? So, that's uh, certainly true. Yeah, um, well, they've uh, it kind of makes sense for them to do that. Everybody's got their own uh, their own superstitions, don't they? Cam Newton will be on the other side. He's always always in his uh, his Superman socks. Um, but it brings a lot of uh, opportunity for these strange little superstitions. Have you heard about any that uh, you think are uh, of note? It's not something that I've heard loads of tales of, other than that you know that it's not always just superstitions. A lot of, of players are very set in their routine, so they'll want to be at the, at the stadium at a particular time before the game. Yeah. They'll want to do the same sets of warm-ups. Just listening to podcasts earlier in the week, and the linemen are talking about they'll want to do tests... Um, with their footwork on different parts of the field, particularly if it's grass, they want to know if there are any areas where they're going to struggle for footing and, and they'll be going through their blocking schemes and what footwork they have to do. Um, yeah. Obviously, you see someone like Beckham who's doing his one-handed catches, which is seems <laughs> part so he can do in the game and part it seems to be sort of like almost pre-game Showing shows. Off. So yeah. I think there's an awful lot of things that we don't hear about, but it, it, as much as anything, it's it's players who are creatures of habit and they just want to use that as to manage the tension I don't, I'm not I'm never sure how much this is oh we truly believe this is a way of controlling luck and the fate of football and more just I'm nervous and I'll, I'll perform better if I do this set set series of tasks because I've done I always do this and this gives me comfort that I'm going to go out and perform that's absolutely me when I, I didn't play for long but when I did play that was absolutely me I absolutely wanted to do everything exactly the same every time uh, and just had a routine but like you say it was more out of nerves than anything yeah, it was, it's just a way of dealing with the eek. Yeah, that's it. Um, Nate Burleson was on, uh, on on NFL.com this week, ex-Vikings, Lions, Seahawks, wide receiver. Um, he was the exact opposite, he, interestingly. One of the things he said was he liked to try and do everything very different every time. He had a different playlist for every every game that he'd, he'd listen to. He'd, he'd try and do things differently every single game, which, uh, yeah, kind of goes quite against that. Yes, it almost goes... Basically, you've just brought him up because it goes against absolutely everything I've just said. It does. I, I, yeah, you're well, just he, being a contrary person, aren't you, Dan? Careful, careful with that. Um, <laughs> yeah, he, I called you a person. Well, yeah, fair enough. Um, it's better than some have. Yeah, another thing. Obviously, they they he's, he said that he knows he knew of players that uh, that read a particular book or watched particular highlights of Muhammad Ali and Michael Jordan to kind of psych themselves up. Calvin Johnson was one that he mentioned. It was apparently very particular about his about his socks and how high they were and how they felt in his boots and that kind of thing. That that's I mean you can certainly um, shoes is a common thing because you want to feel comfortable. I mean, and also going back to films, Rocky Free is one of those ones that you know lots of people watch for inspiration <laughs> sort of the night before. And yeah, that's it. <laughs> Run that over here. Right, so 
there's no games to watch this week, so we are fully going in going to, into Super Bowl mode, and we're going to have a look at the uh, the teams that are in there. So obviously, we have the uh, Denver Broncos playing the Carolina Panthers. Um, interesting one. Both teams were first and second pick in the 2011 draft, so it's quite interesting to see kind of how they've how they've progressed. Those those first and second uh, picks, by the way, were Cam Newton and Von Miller. Um, same year as uh, somebody. Any 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 guesses on uh, on who else was uh, was drafted that year? G. 2011. Yeah, I'm I'm blanking. Um, oh no, hang on a minute. Five minutes. Well, AJ Green and Andy Dalton. Uh, yes, correct. The one I was thinking though, the one I thought you might pick up on was uh, ah JJ Watt. Eleven. JJ Watt. Yeah, not even the first defensive end um, picked in that uh, that year's that year's. I, I uh, believe draft. it or not, the Texans weren't happy. There were Texan fans complaining about the pick when 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 he went. I'm sure they're still kicking themselves now. Yeah, um. he's just a terrible, <laughs> terrible player. Terrible. Um, Anyway, yeah, the the last time the Broncos were in the Super Bowl, the big one was a uh, for, in Super Bowl forty eight. Uh, they lost forty three eight to the uh, to the Seattle Seahawks a couple of years ago. Very bad start for them, um, but they have won it twice ninety seven and ninety eight. Um, the Panthers have never won. Uh, their only ever appearance has uh, been in a loss to the Patriots in two thousand and three season. Um, so let's have a, let's, we'll start with the, the Denver Broncos. We'll have a, uh, a look at each team separately. Um, Good season for them, exactly the same record as as last season. Yeah, but a very different way of getting there in that the defense has come on even further, and Peyton has fallen away further. And you know there was a good stretch where he was on the sidelines, and we had Brock Osweiler, who was some would argue running the team better, if not being. Mm. Exactly, the better quarterback, if that makes sense. Well, so he, he did a convincing job when he uh, when he came in, and he, he won five of the seven games that he started, albeit none particularly convincingly. But uh, he, he did a good job, and I think it was uh, it was probably quite a big decision for for the coaches when when Manning was back and fit uh, of, of whether to to play him in the in, in the postseason. Yeah, I think it would have been harder for them if Osweiler hadn't hurt his shoulder. Uh, he had a fairly nasty shoulder injury, and I, I think. Um, oh, they sort of kept did, him yeah. as backup, but I'm not sure they'd be too keen on putting him in unless they really needed to. No, certainly not in a big game like this weekend. I don't think he'd uh, <laughs> not if they uh, didn't want someone half injured uh, going into that. Some, some real good good um, seasons uh, this this year for uh, for, the, for the Broncos in terms of individual players. Uh, Demarius Thomas, wide wide receiver, uh, one thousand three hundred and four yards and six touchdowns. Emmanuel Sanders, uh, eleven hundred eleven hundred and thirty five yards and six touchdowns. Yeah, you you you'd kind of expect them to get some uh, some decent yards with uh, with with quarterbacks like that, wouldn't you? You would, except that they've not been played. They've been really hit and miss on offense. What has driven this team all season has been a defense that had one or two rocky patches. And early on, we were talking about clearly the best team and then they dipped a bit and they came back yeah. and they weren't necessarily being talked about sort of like recent Ravens defences and the Seattle one of the last two three years and then in the playoffs it seemed to have just it tightened up even more and we'll get onto the coaching tape later but they did such a job on the Patriots last week or last yeah. two weeks ago <laughs> that's it well the, it, looking at the defence um Particularly good seasons. Uh, Danny Trevathan, uh, 73 tackles and 36 assists. Von Miller as well, like I said, that 2011 first pick. Uh, that, that was a hell of a draft, if you look yeah. at it. you know, AJ Green, one of the best receivers, as Von Miller has been an amazing pass rusher. JJ Watt, that, that was, there were some really good players that year. There were. Julio Jones, um, Mike Pouncey, Dolphins. Um, some, yeah, there was. There were some real big, big names I, that I, year. I don't want to be mean, 
and I know that you were just trying to get a Dolphins player in, but there's a bit (laughs) of a jump between Julio Jones, AJ Green, and Mike Pouncey. Yeah, kind of, kind of similar, very similar. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But it'll be a good, it'll be a good story if the uh, if the Broncos do end up uh, going through and uh, and winning this one, especially for Manning, won't it? I mean, it's sort of almost a fairy tale ending. I mean, I'm not sure it's how he would have written it. I'm sure he would have liked to be playing better and and sort of carry the team to one last victory. Having said that. The real problem this season was not that Peyton Manning wasn't the Peyton Manning of old. It was that he was playing like one of the worst quarterbacks in the league. He was, I think, two or three interceptions away from leading the league and missed all those games. But having said that, since he's come back from the injury, I don't think he's turned the ball over yet. No, he's looked pretty good. He's looked really good for postseason. I wouldn't go as far as really good, but he's he's been playing within himself. I mean, it's particularly noticeable at the end against the Patriots that in that fourth quarter, they could not move the ball at, at all. And so yeah. that defense was getting no rest. It was like stop them on fourth down in, in the um, red zone, um, get them to um, take the ball over, basically go four and out, pump the ball and Hand, you know, off off go the Patriots again, and if you just wonder if they kicked a field goal on one of the sort of fourth and shorts in the red zone, and then gone for it late, they could have very easily been in this game themselves. Yeah, We're looking at their biggest wins and biggest losses of the year. Biggest win was a twenty nine ten victory against the Green Bay Packers in Week Eight. That was the Packers' first loss of the season. That was when they were when there was about what was it five or six teams going into Week Eight unbeaten, something like that. Wasn't yeah, it? and that almost says something about the Broncos' offense at twenty nine points is their yeah. big win. Biggest win, yeah, absolutely. And we're looking at the other side. Biggest loss was uh, was also twenty nine points. It was thirteen twenty nine. Uh, to the Kansas City Chiefs. Week that 10. Chiefs team was really rolling, and and Manning just was not playing well there. And that defense is was scary. Well, that was the last game that Manning started in the uh, in, in the regular season. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I suppose that says something. On the other side of the ball, then we're going to have the Carolina Panthers. Um, regular season record for these are, was fifteen and one. Fifteen and one. They were so close to making that uh, that that unbeaten season. It was literally it was it was one game. It was the. Uh, the Falcons game, uh, the penultimate game of the regular season, I think. Yeah, and um, division rivals, and some would say, and I think I probably agree with them, that actually it might have been a good game to lose in a sense because it just takes that pressure of going unbeaten off them. Yeah. And so it's yeah. changed the narrative and everybody's confident with them, but there's not that pressure of can they go unbeaten this week. They've looked like they're having so much fun all season, haven't they, as well? Every uh, every time there's something on the sideline. It's uh, it's, it's quite nice to see. And, and and fair play to them. After after last season, last season they, they were 7-8-1 uh, at the end of the season. So they've, they've it's kind of an underdog story. They've kind of uh, they've done really well. Yeah, I mean, that said, they won um, quite a stretch at the end of last season. The playoffs, you know, the win streak when they were um, going unbeaten at the start was a continuation of a lot of wins at the end of last season they actually went uh, they won the last four games of the regular season last year before losing in divisional so it's another another comparison to Leicester City there yeah really <laughs> there we go and they're um, playing in blue I believe or is it black uh, I'm not sure actually I haven't seen what the colour they're playing in I hope they are playing in blue I quite like that blue kit um <laughs> they uh, as well. They also had some uh, some really good uh, individual player um, seasons as well. Greg Olson, um, tight end there, one thousand one hundred four yards, seven touchdowns. Ted Ginn Jr. Like I said the the, the week, he's, I've got quite a soft spot for him at wide receiver, seven hundred thirty nine yards, ten touchdowns. He'd only scored eleven touchdowns in his first eight seasons combined. They're, I mean, on both sides of the ball, the Panthers coaches have done a phenomenal job um, mm. in 
in doing the best with what they can. Going into the season, everybody was worried about their offensive line and receivers, and they've really turned that narrative around. Greg Olson has played virtually every snap all season and yeah. has been Cam's go-to man, but... Um, He's done really well, uh, but obviously this team lives and dies with the sort of dual rushing threat of Jonathan Stewart and Cam Newton. And they do so much with the run, both in terms of amount of runs, but also just a huge variation of different run plays and are not afraid to send their um, 250-pound quarterback in on power run situations. And he's taken hits all season and uh, is likely the MVP this year. I'd certainly think so. Six, over 600 yards, 636 yards to be exact for Cam Newton uh, which is crazy for a quarterback yeah no it, it, it's it's been a hell of a season for him yeah on the defensive side Thomas Davis now he broke his arm didn't he in the in the conference game do you think he'll, he's going to end up playing in this one he's had a plate and I think it's like half a dozen screws maybe more put in his yeah. arm and he says he's going to um, I'm not sure I'm ready to bet against him but I think he's crazy yeah I think he'll see I mean, you have to be a little crazy to play this game but that is that is <laughs> some feat if he pulls that off from broken arm to, to playing in a Super Bowl in two weeks that, is, that yeah. would be fantastic and it would top off a good season for him 75 tackles 5.5 sacks um, so uh, yeah yeah, decent uh, decent season for them I mean that defence is good at every level you, you've got notes about K1 Short who has been excellent from their, from the defensive tackle yeah. but um, the, the defensive front has, has done well without big names until Jared Allen came across mm. and he's you know an ageing player so he's not the pass rusher he was but again their linebackers are so good that combination of Thomas Davis and Luke Keekley who just has chances to be one of the most amazing middle linebackers he's already brilliant so it's just how long can he maintain it and then Josh Norman's been excellent in a secondary which is sort of patched up round him but has been doing a job and played surprisingly well against a Cardinals receiving core that have been terrifying um, defenses all season mm. and they've their their off their offense is nothing to be sniffed at either they they had uh, 10 games when they scored over 30 points this season no they they cause they cause defenses problems because that running game is really good and then Cam Newton who still might still miss the short pass um, with a little bit of inaccuracy but he throws a really good deep ball and they've been very clever at finding ways to get receivers open and attack defenses deep that's it well I'm going to stop you before we uh, before we start looking at uh, actually who we think is going to win uh, we'll, we'll have a little look at that later but uh, first let's have a look at the blog the it's a right, so as I said, it's that time again to have a look at what G's been writing about this week on the blog. Um, so you turn your hand this week to write about uh, how strange this time of year is um, and the little nuances of the off-season. I must say, I absolutely agree. It is a very odd time of year. It just seems really... It almost seems mismanaged. Um, particularly when you compare it to what's going on football we've just come to the end of the January transfer window, which always yeah. feels like a little bit weird and forced. But you have that set period where we've got transfers and then end of the season. But sort of the thing with the competition is that it's kind of have its set phases. And we reach the end of the season and then we've got coaches' searches going on all at once, but it's difficult to get players from the, or coaches from the teams going late in the season. You've got the Pro Bowl going on, which is not great, but you've also got all <laughs> that timing in with what players can go and... I mean, Jameis Winston went to the Pro Bowl this year. I mean, yeah. I don't 
and he had a good rookie year, don't get me wrong, but do we really think he's a Pro Bowl player? And there are other players like that. I don't want to be mean. It's just he was, it was like we got down to that level of quarterback and it's just, it just felt a little odd. So I was writing about that and also just the fact that with the playoffs, I, I think we've talked about this before, I kept finding myself saying, oh, it's a week too far for such and such. And as much as anything, it's who's healthy at this time of year. Mm. And it's interesting that both um, Thomas Davis obviously broke his arm. Chris Harris Jr. had the shoulder injury. And I promise you, there wasn't the sign of it on tight. He, you know, he really did play well against against the Patriots. So, But you know, a lot of teams just had one injury too many. And, and the concussion, obviously, to Antonio Brown is a big one for the Steelers when they played against the um, Broncos. And it's just... It's a strange thing because of the makeup of the league and the fact that you have this playoffs. It's the only way you can do it in the NFL. I, I, the other American sports, it still seems, it feels weird to me. If you play 82 games and you can get a fair schedule and settle it in a league, which is sort of like the team that did best over the longest time is going to win and they should be the best team because there's always a randomness when you start playing one-off or even series of games because random things can happen in the NFL you sort of have to embrace that anybody could win if they could just get into the playoffs and make a run because there's no other way because it's impossible to, to you know have a schedule which allows 32 teams to play each other home and away across the season it's just not physically possible that's it we mentioned that uh, that Patriots game and you've watched that the uh, the, the coaching tape of the Patriots uh, Broncos game uh, in particular the Broncos defence didn't you in preparation for this week's game yes yes I, and I was really glad I did um they, I mean, the coverages were really good. They were mixing it up. Not only were they playing two deep safety and single safety like most teams do, but they were doing quite a lot of disguises. So they'll quite often um, have two two safeties deep, sort of moving backwards and forwards, and then very late, one of them would either come right up. And there was one play which actually was a run play, but the the, the, the um, safety actually blitzed and got a hand to the running back and pretty much um, tripped him up at the line. But very much to come down and suddenly it'd be a single high safety and he'd be playing an under zone or or, or reading the run but other times it would be back so a, a lot of the time was not only was the pass rush really effective but the coverage was holding up mm. it, they started to get some injuries so it did shake a little bit um, in the second half particularly in the fourth quarter that there were things that came a bit more open for the um, Patriots in the passing game but they were still they really struggled to run the ball I don't know how we managed to talk about both games last week and not mention the fact that um, in, this, in the Patriots-Broncos game both Peyton Manning and Tom Brady, not quarterbacks known for their mobility at this stage of their career, managed to run for over 10 yards to get a first down. Yeah, it's a good point, actually. Yeah, we didn't mention it, did we? I went into recording the podcast. You always have those ideas of what you want to talk talk about, and it just didn't quite come up. And it was like when I saw Brady doing it, and it was basically, it was again, it was coverage. They'd only run free. He managed to escape the rush, and the, the they just followed the receivers, and so there was just air in front of him, and he managed to make it not exactly quickly, but get get the first down. Yeah. And the pass rush was just they really were. There was there were times when um, Von Miller was was basically quite often you see a quarterback raise their leg or shoot their arm down to indicate um, um, that they're ready for the ball to be snapped and basically on a silent cap do it in whatever the agreement time is and you could see Von Miller was just looking into that and was pretty much moving as the ball went I mean yeah. he was just literally so timed up and there was one where just the he just missed getting the safety and the Patriots even had six linemen in and he still went round the extra tackle barely <laughs> untouched and got Brady it was yeah. You could see why there, there was so such a fuss hits. about the line. They were, yeah. they, they were rushing with free and getting home. The tackles just couldn't... You couldn't seem to get their hands on the players. It was just... 
uh, both Marcus Ware and and um, Von Miller were just round so often, and not just them. There were times where um, they had sub packages in playing those wide rush players, and they were getting round too. Well, it's, uh, obviously, the run up to uh, to the big game this week, the Super Bowl. Is there anything you're particularly uh, thinking of looking ahead at uh, this week? To be honest, I'm just enjoying all the media buzz. I'm sort of settling back. I've seen both teams all season. I'm really looking to- forward to it. I'm looking forward to watching the game live and having that full-on live experience, which doesn't happen all the time because of when the games are on. And then I'm also looking forward to going to going through the coaching tape. I love going through the coaching tape of the Super Bowl. It seems a nerdy thing to do, and it very often... Um, it's that thing where everybody watches Super Bowl and goes, ah, oh, the season's over and floats away. And I get to extend it that little extra half week and just be a bit nerdy and go through the coaching tape and see what struck me. I'd expect no less from you, Jay. I'd expect no less. Uh, it, it, it's genuinely, it's one of my favourite bits of the season. It's just like, yeah, I'm going to go back and look at the coaching tape on this game because, you know, it, these are the two best teams. We had that amazing catch coming towards the end of the season and hopefully I won't wake your good lady wife up again by shouting <laughs> at the teddy when exciting things happen, but I really can't guarantee it. Well, it sounds like there's going to be plenty on the blog, so for uh, all that and much more, make sure you check out the blog this week at thewrongfootball.com. Are you ready for some football? Right, so we've been picking teams all season. This is the last game, so this is the one that uh, that we're going to uh, have a look at this this week and uh, make our picks for. It's the Denver Broncos and the Carolina Panthers. Go on, G. Who do you think is going to win? I don't have a strong opinion this year because the obvious pick that I think everybody's going for is the Panthers, and you can see why. They've had that offence that's done really well, and that defence has been really scary. And I think they probably will win it just because... I think the Broncos' defense is amazing and will give Panthers problems, but I'm just not sure what um, Peyton Manning, if anything, is going to be able to do against that defense. But there's just part of me that wonders: is there a narrative? Is Peyton going to get the, fan, you know, the the dream ending? Which you know he's played so well, it would be really nice for him to get a second ring and at least not have the oh your brother's got more Super Bowls than you, <laughs> well you know, and has nowhere near the the the, the career that he does. He's been it's almost an underrated quarterback. I'm sure it will sort itself out uh, over the years once we look back and appreciate what he's done. But equally, yeah. Cam Newton's been so good this year. It's hard to pick a pan- against the Panthers. They've been 51. They've been great. I love Luke Keekley. I, you know, I think they're going to win. I think you're right. As much as as much as I think it'll be a really nice story for uh, for the Broncos and especially for for Peyton Manning um, to to finish his career perhaps as as the Super Bowl champion and get that that monkey off his back, like you say, it's really. I can't see it happening. I think it's probably going to be a fairly comfortable one for the uh, for the Panthers. I think, and not just because um, I'm a Leicester fan and obviously they're uh, they're striking on that partnership, but uh, I genuinely think it's going to be one of those that's that's going to be a little bit one sided. Perhaps not as one sided as last time they were at the Super Bowl, uh, the Broncos. But uh, yeah, one sided nonetheless. Yeah, and the nice thing for me is that there's really, I mean, obviously there are losers, but but we've not got a huge narrative you know a bad team in this nobody i think would begrudge either team if they won there's i don't feel any animosity either they've had great seasons and i'm just really looking forward to watching the game i am properly properly excited yeah me too me too i look forward uh, to you coming around on sunday who day we're not there again I felt that one way up here well that's it for episode 16 of the wrong football podcast I hope you've enjoyed listening when we come back next week we'll know exactly who the Super Bowl champions are and we'll be looking back in general at our highlights and lowlights of the season uh, in the final podcast of the season um, in the meantime remember to subscribe to the podcast follow us on Twitter at wrong football uh, get involved in a bit of banter at TWF Facebook page and check out the blog at thewrongfootball.com if you've got any particular highlights or lowlights of the season you'd like us to talk about next week uh, drop us an email to twfpodcast at outlook.com uh, thanks for 
listening. See you next week and enjoy the big game on Sunday. I think that's a term, a euphemism for having an erection. Oh. Jamie Vardy is having a party. <laughs>